Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode, I sit down with Dirk Dunham, aka The Bugler, who has a new project going along with Jason Phelps, Dan Staten, and John Gabrio called The Elk Collective. We dive into what that is, we talk a little bit about uh, Dirk's strategies and setups for elk, and it's just a great conversation. Dirk is such an awesome guy, great uh, great personality, good sense of humor, and uh, just always, always happy to listen to him talk about elk hunting. And his new project that they have is going to change the game for online education courses regarding elk. And uh, a lot of, you know, some of the stuff that's out right now is in PDF form that we talk about. This is going to change the game with a kind of an interactive and lots of videos and, and just a lot of tutorials that you can visually watch and learn from. So I'm really excited about this because that's how I learn is through watching and uh, very excited to really assist you guys to show you guys about something that can change the game if you're wanting to get better or learn more about elk hunting. So outside of that, if you haven't yet, be sure to go to www.onpointpodcast.com and give me your email. Uh, eventually, I will do something with it. Uh, hopefully, it'll be like a newsletter that I'm about a year behind on, but I promise you, once I figure out actually how to do it, um, I'll be I'll be sending the emails and hopefully discount codes and stuff to the products and gear that I approve of, that I use, that I believe in. And it's not going to be a bunch of just spam or anything like that. It'll help uh, you keep up to date with what I have going on as far as content and hopefully uh, save you money with the products that I've tested and uh, and they you know if they pass the muster you'll you'll see them on the emails. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening, and uh, I will see you at the end of the episode. Well, hey, I appreciate you meet me on short notice here, Dirk. But once you uh, once I started seeing, seeing some stuff about the Elk Collective, I wanted to get you on here and talk about what you guys have going on, and and uh, it sounds pretty cool. So you want to go ahead and give yourself? I don't know if you need to do a quick intro. You're welcome to if you want, but we'll just dive into this thing. Hey guys, uh, my name is Dirk Durham. Uh, I'm a sales and marketing guy for Phelps Game Calls. That's my daytime job. Um, I own and operate my side hustle business, uh, the bugler, um, the bugler brand. So do some hats, t-shirts and stuff there. Just got into video production uh, on YouTube here a couple years ago on there. And, uh, so we're starting this new elk hunting educational piece called the elk collective and, um, uh, teaming up with Jason Phelps, Dan Staten, John Gabriel to make this happen. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's going to be digital um, elk hunting education, very focused on video, audio, um, not a bunch of PDFs to read because nobody got time for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems like it's just it's just a, a very, well, I guess, modern way to, to learn how to elk hunt and stuff because a lot of this stuff has been like a college course or and, and for me i don't i just don't enjoy learning on through text and just through reading on a computer i have to do that for my licensing for my job and stuff like that so to be able to learn through a video and be like hey you know i'm dirk and this is how you call on a bull or something like that. that's kind of what i pictured it as being but um so you guys are gonna have youtube videos and in like modules and stuff like that or how's this how's this gonna work so there'll be chapters dedicated to each aspect of the hunt, you know, whether it's scouting, um, fitness, um, you know, preparing your, your weapon, let's say, you know, we're not, we're not going into to rifle hunting right away. We're kind of, we're staying in our lane, kind of go with what we know. So it's going to be very archery heavy at this time. But the great thing about the elk collective is it's going to be a very, uh, it's going to be, it's always going to be evolving if you will. Uh, so the content you see this year is going to be there next year, but uh, there'll be a whole new batch of content from our previous falls hunts. So um, this fall we're, we're all, we're all videoing our hunts. We're going to capture everything and then break it down and have all these different little nuggets of information on, on where the hunt went right, where the hunt went wrong. And, uh, and how that kind of kind of applies to to new hunters, or you know, even if you're a seasoned vet, you know, I think you can learn a lot. Um, I've been doing this for 30 years, and it seems like every year I I learn more and more, whether it be the elk or you know, I'm I'm always you know all ears. I I can learn from just about anybody, and uh, so if I can 
take a little bit of their knowledge and put it in my quiver, you know, I'm going to have a lot more ammunition come fall, but, but yeah, it'll be broken down into categories, you know, you basically everything you need to know about how to hunt elk, um, where to begin, you know, how to, how to get a tag, you know, with our launch being in July, uh, we're going to launch July 1st. It didn't really make a lot of sense to focus a lot right now on draw odds and how, you know, how to apply an application process, but more like, Hey, we've got less than three months now to get an elk tag and get to the woods. Um, how am I going to get it? How am I going to get an elk tag? Uh, then, you know, where do you want to hunt? What kind of, what kind of hunt are you looking for? Do you want to just, you want to backpack hunt? Do you want to hunt from a, a truck camp? Do you want to, how do you want to do it? Um, so we're going to have all that information at your fingertips to learn and then you know even fitness and stuff you know dan staten he's like the fitness guru um but not to take away he's a he's a fantastic elk hunter that guy knows some stuff he does it a lot different than me uh jason phelps i've hunted with him he does some similar stuff than me uh, or similar stuff to what i do but different and i think and same with john john John, he's going to do, uh, he's going to try to hunt elk this fall like whitetails and like mule deer in, in Utah. He, he's one of those Utah guys now. So he's, he's, uh, completely going an opposite direction on, on how to, you would typically hunt elk. So, and that's just our core group, but we're also going to bring in some names that a lot of people were going to be familiar with. Uh, some people that are pretty respected in the elk hunting community to know their, their stuff and, and uh, we want that their ways to be heard too um, because in the name the collective it's more of you know a, a collective all these of all these ideas rather than um, one man's way of doing it so uh, and I think everybody learns a little bit different and maybe maybe somebody wants to go all in team Dirk but <laughs> probably not they're probably going to learn a, a whole bunch of other stuff from a lot of other people on there and uh, just become a better elk hunter well i i think you you covered covered it really well there because you know i always call it we well, you know what do you do when the elk don't follow the playbook <laughs> and it's like okay, yeah <laughs> you know it's like okay well i did that i got inside 80 yards okay i got inside his house and and then i bugled and then he ran off i'm like okay well you know it's it's not it's not guaranteed if you followed you know, the rabbit ears playbook or anything, but, and that's what I love about having different styles is that, you know, you got the bros, you know, you have to find the right bull. We cover lots of ground. We bugle, 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 bugle. And then we just find the right bull that wants to play with us. And then you have other guys that they don't pass a bull that, you know, if they think there's a bull in that drainage, they'll hunt that drainage despite whether he's talking or not, or guys that hunt blinds, wallows, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so you guys are probably, I'm guessing you guys are probably going to have the bro guys on there. How do they contrast to the way that you hunt? Uh, very similar actually to, to how I hunt. Cause I cover lots and lots of ground. I'm always just trying to find a bull that'll bugle. I don't waste a lot of time, um, cold calling, which when I say waste a lot of time, I'm probably a fool not to, to, to slow down and spend a little bit more time cold calling. Cause if I can't hear bulls bugling, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm finding a new spot. I may, I may go a completely different direction, different drainage. Um, and it's not too, too much different than the, how born and raised, uh, like to hunt too. So, um, but it's crazy. I always find that, um, we all have this idea of, well, I always do this or elk always do this <laughs> and this is how it's going to play out. But that's, that's what elk always do until they don't. Right. Right. 60% of the time it works every time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or probably like 20% of the time it works every time. Yeah. Uh, so we, we go into these elk shape camps with Dan. We, we really started uh, kind of analyzing what we're telling people and what the kind of questions are asking. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys are, are new to hunting uh, completely. They've never even had a call in their mouth. Um, some have been, been hunting for years, but just have never tasted success. And there's all these little small nuances out of our daily hunting routine that create success that we just take for granted a lot of times, but until you sit down and start talking with, with these folks that have never thought of that or, or heard about it, 
um, it's not until then do you kind of realize like, well, I guess, you know, a lot of the, there's these little things that we take for granted. Um, a lot of people don't know. So um, we kind of wanted to bring all of that to the table, you know, um, so, it, you know, in, into a platform that would be very user friendly. And like I said, like PDFs and stuff, nobody got time to, for that. And it's hard enough to read, you know, people say, oh, hey, do you read books? And man, I'm probably the worst guy to ask if I read books. I just don't have the time or the the focus to read them. But if I had to, if I could listen to a book, I could, I'd probably listen to 500 books, which I could, but I, I just don't. But, but that's how a lot of people get their information. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of cheat the system when they're at work, when they should be working, you know, mm-hmm. 100% dedicated at their job, but they're listening to podcasts or they're listening, watching YouTube videos, just the audio segment of it. Oh, yeah. So we thought, you know, and with this digital age, um, look, look how everything's going. You say, hey, Alexa, turn on the, the TV or whatever. <laughs> people people want information right at their fingertips and to be absorbed quickly and i think i think visual and audio that's the best that's the best way well you know bro had a, a few youtube videos where they they went around here locally and, and it was funny because i'm like oh i know where that's at oh, i know where that's at but um they went around locally and they're like this is what we look for this is what we do this is how we do this and and they literally just took a camera with the crew and they basically just showed you exactly how they go out and get it done and to be able to have something that's dedicated to that would be man i wish i would have had that back when i started i failed for like six or seven years didn't fill a tag didn't release an arrow for probably six years um elk hunting and just got my butt kicked for years and years and years man and and i'm not the only one and then now it's like you know, last, I should say the last, you know, few years, I should have filled my tags. The last three years, I think I have, or two years I have, but, um, and, and now that it's, we've gotten the success and, and since we've been, you know, I think, I think the tables have turned when Grady came out with the Jason Phelps and Corey Jacobson episodes, the old Elk Nuggets, um, podcast that he had or the, uh, you know, oh, yeah. man, those were great. And then we were listening to those on the way over one year. And that was listening to that one episode got us a shot and we, we shot a bull because of that podcast. I'm like, here's what we need to do. And I'd never been in that situation before, but having the power of that information to know, Hey, here's what we need to do. Even though I had no idea personally, um, we were able to go out and find success because we applied what we learned. And so I know personally that what you guys are going to be doing is going to be really valuable for guys because like I said, the video part, I'm like you, man. I don't read books. I don't do all that crap. I listen to podcasts. I watch YouTube videos because that's how I learn best. And uh, oh, Me too. Yeah, just being able to have that. There's nothing else out there like that, at least that I know of. I mean, you guys are the first ones breaking that barrier. Yeah. And for instance, so I'm not sure if you caught my video series last fall from, uh, it's called Mouth Tab Mattis. And I had a, a 10-day hunt on YouTube. And so I've got all these hours and hours of video and lots of good hunting. And as I'm watching this stuff and I'm talking to these guys at, at these elk shape camps, you know, I got this idea in my head that, you know, I should, it would be cool to be able to kind of do a director's cut, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, where you play the, you roll film and then you just kind of talk to talk about it. Kind of like chalk talk with coaches on Sunday morning from football or whatever, <laughs> uh, you that know, would be sick. Hey, that, this is, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing. This is what I just did wrong. I'm, you know, you analyze every little piece of it. And, uh, and we've kind of done some of that like live at, at our elk shape camps and man, people just love it. They're like, Holy cow. You can tell them and they can read it a hundred times, but until they see it like unfolding and you're kind of telling them what you did and why you did it, then it just like clicks in their head. They're like, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I see what you mean. So I think those kind of things are going to be, be really good. So and Jason's going to dissect a couple of his hunts in there. I think Dan's going to dissect some stuff. Um, yeah. So there's all sorts of, I think we have 70 video components uploaded right now. Uh, I mean, to, to kind of like go off of what you're saying there, uh, I've always thought it would be cool to have a, um, a interactive learning uh, experience or something where, 
I mean, we just talked about how we don't read books, but there's books out there where you can like choose um, if you want to do this, go to page 86, and if you want to do this, go to page 46. Have you done those, like the storytell books kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, yeah, choose your own adventure. Right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, that, we had this conversation actually when we were when we were spitballing ideas for this uh, this deal, and uh, that was one of them. I said, you know, we need to have it be to where people can choose your adventure. You know, some people wanted, you know, they they love that romance of backpacking ten miles deep into the wilderness. Um, other people, it's just like you know, physically demand demandingly, they can't do that, which is okay. Um, there's a lot of really great elk hunts. You don't have to be a, a freaking nature physically to go chase elk successfully. So um, I think we'll have a little bit of everything for for everybody um, in that regard. Well, I I know personally, and this is what made me think of that is back when I um. I had an Insta story, and he's still still on Instagram if you wanted to go check it out. But I shot a nice rosy last year, and um, I spot and stalked him. Not the way I wanted to kill him, but it's the way I had to. And um, sure. so I was creeping in this unit, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do an Instagram live kind of thing and, and then of me shooting this bulbs. But I did it real time, but I did it the day after. So I recorded the whole thing, and then I, record, and then I uploaded the story chronologically correctly the next day. And, uh, right. so people thought it was live. I didn't say anything. So people thought it was live and, <laughs> uh, and I just was like, I wonder what's going to happen here. And that video, um, got a ton of comments and stuff and people are like, I'm just, you know, I'm literally narrating and then I'm filming it and I'm showing them through the binos, you know, the, the bowl and everybody's like, bugle, do this, do that. And everybody's like, everybody <laughs> had their own thing. And I'm like, well, I'm sure as hell not bugling at this pool. I'm completely out in the open. He's, he's bedded yeah. down, <laughs> you know, like. And it was just really interesting if, 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 if there's some point we could ever get to the point where it's like you're almost watching it live and then your armchair quarterbacking it and you could learn from their successes or failures that way. I mean, I know that would take a very dedicated teacher, but um, just from that experience, I'm like, man, the engagement from that alone and then being able to kind of like choose your adventure, people were like wanting me to do all sorts of things. <laughs> that I didn't that I didn't agree with, uh, but it was yeah. just really interesting that everybody had their own idea of exactly what to do when that bowl was 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 right there, and so to, you know to kind of just I I think it would be fantastic if you guys could do some sort of live or semi live um, hunt, which you guys kind of already do um, with the tours and stuff. Um, it's a yeah. few months after the fact, but. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be kind of cool if a lot of the places we go, of course, you don't have cell service. But, man, if a guy could hunt somewhere where he had cell service, mm -hmm. you could r really do some cool stuff in that in that same regard, you know, this that live hunt or semi-live hunt. Yeah, might have to carry a booster in your pocket or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to go over, so you guys, um, so you have John who moved. He's no longer in Washington, I believe. You've got Phelps. Yeah, he's. Yeah, you've got Phelps who's still in He's Washington. He's in the Salt Lake City area. And so yep. you guys are, because, um, you know, the way that we hunt Rosies versus Rockies, there's a few stark differences for me personally. Are you guys going to have different um, classes or lessons for different areas versus pressured elk, non-pressured elk, Rocky versus Rosie? Because um, I know over here, I will be, I, I feel like I can be way more aggressive when I finally get them to hold his own. I mean, I feel like I feel the bulls that I've killed anyways. I mean, shoot, you can almost walk right up to them if it's brushy enough. Um, they're just going to hold right. their own. But with the Rockies, I feel like it's, we can get away with a lot more calling and bugling. And and I'm kind of asking a question of that at the same time. Cause you're, you're way more experienced at that than I am, but it feels like they call way easier over in the Rockies. And maybe that's because there's not as much foliage and stuff, but I know that when you do get a bull over here, on the coast, it feels like our success rates higher once you get them going. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to have actually, uh, Trent and Cody are going to help us out a little bit, um, with Elk collective. They're going to give us some other golden nuggets of, mm. of the Rosie Rosies and more. Um, but I've never hunted Roosevelt, but from everything everybody tells me, some, a lot of these elk that I've hunted, um, almost are like a hybrid some some of the times how they act 
they can they can sometimes be pretty tight lipped, but man, if you can get them going, mm-hmm. they will they will come right in. And I can get away for, with some pretty aggressive tactics, um, like you say, walking right up to them. Um, that's my mo for like a lot of the country I hunt in Idaho, Idaho, because it's just so darn brushy and thick timber that um, they hear you popping brush, they think you're another elk, and oh, yeah. and if you they if you've got them ripping already and and they're kind of hung up, that's kind of my that's kind of my end game is, is if they're hung up, then I just go right to them and, and see if I can get them to show their self right, right at the last second. Sometimes it blows up in my face and they run away, but <laughs> it's kind of that fine line of <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, do I go too fast? Do I get, you know, it's like that balancing act, but right. I, I usually kind of err on the side of being a little more aggressive. Um, because if I've had so many times in my younger days that where I, I played it really safe. It's like, no, I'm not going to do anything wrong and mm-hmm. play this super safe. And pretty soon the bull will lose interest and just kind of move off. And, mm-hmm. and there you are. It's like, well, he left. I should have probably just did what I thought I should do anyway. And you know, that you're either going to, he's either going to lose interest. You're either going to scare him off or you're going to kill him. So <laughs> right. two of those are the same thing, right? So you might as well try to go the one that, you're going to probably kill him with by being aggressive. So, well, I know personally, um, and and I'm I'm so happy to hear you say lean on the, ki- the on the side of aggressive because the more aggressive, and I tell my buddy uh, this all every all the time that I hunt with, it's like man, the more elk, the more you know when we kill more elk is when we're being aggressive. Period. I mean, right. And I've lost more opportunities at elk and more shot opportunities because I wasn't aggressive enough. And I think after talking to a lot of people and, 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 and seeing what a lot of people do, most people, I would say when they get to that red zone and I, I don't know what you'd call the red zone, I'd say hundred yards in or something. Um, yeah. uh, that's where 80% of your failures happen probably. And it's because I think that people aren't aggressive enough. And I would like to hear you speak on what your experience is with that. And then also a follow-up question to that would be, what is your success rate for when you do get inside the red zone? of a hundred yards on average? Um, I don't know if, what percentage wise uh, the success rate, but if I, here's, here's kind of my thoughts with every time I hear an elk bugle, if I can get that thing to bugle three times at me, and if I can figure out exactly where he is, I'm either going to call him in and see him or maybe even shoot him or probably scare him real bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, it's just, it's just that having that confidence, I guess, to you know know how to play that game but especially once you get in that red zone if if they're really worked up it it's a i will say that i mean i i'm always i always have this ultra confidence about it but but then you stand back and start analyzing things so let's say you only call in one of 10 bulls that you even hear right so i've heard 10 bulls before i've even got one called in to that what you know, do you, to where uh, I can see what do you define so, as called in to where I can see him where I almost got a shot. Okay. Yeah. Where he's came, he's came in, hung up, maybe saw me or I saw him, okay. you know, uh, just bugling back and forth across the canyon and he walks my way a hundred yards. That's not falling. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I was just wondering, cause we got to be in like, that red oh. zone. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. We got to be in the red zone with some tension on the string. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> For that to be a, a real a real call in. <laughs> well, I got I got some guys that are like, oh, we called in six bowls. I'm like, dude, I was bugling at you and you weren't calling me in. Like I was a quarter mile away. <laughs> but whatever are, you want to those tell are probably buddies. the ones that have been chatting with babes online all day too. <laughs> and I almost got a girlfriend today. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but well, I just I just curious hearing hearing somebody like you what you know define what what you, is a call in. Um, because I've always, you know, I've always struggled. I'm like, well, what do you classify as a call in? You know, like me, it would probably be, you know, that that hundred yards, and and maybe I called him in from a, you know, four or five hundred, or like you said, you caught you caught him sneaking in. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of bulls we don't even know that we call in that are just sneakers, and then they just sneak out. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But so, do you have any um, good tags this year in, in other states, or anything that you guys are working on this year for a video project? I do. I do. So Phelps, uh, and I, and John, we all are going to New Mexico. So really, that should be, yeah, that should be pretty awesome. Um, it's a good tag. 
and uh, we're pretty pumped up. Uh, John did some filming down there last year. Phelps and John have been there before. Uh, Phelps had a muzzleloader tag for that same unit. So they've been there before, kind of know where to go. And we got a couple contacts that can kind of give us some intel too. So that should be a super fun hunt. Who's got the tag um, there? Uh, all three of us. We all got one. Archery? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. We got a, we, all three of us got landowner or unit wide landowner tags. Oh, sweet. So, wow. Yeah. I, yep, yeah. Yep. And then, um, so I love John. John's a freaking stud. That guy's awesome. And, uh, yeah. I think he's might even be smaller than me, but he straight up treads. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that poor guy, we give him such a hard time for being short, but man, he's the best sport. And just, he's one of those guys that he's got your back no matter what, like, you could ask him to do anything and he'd be, he'd just drop it and do it, you know, come help or, or whatever. And he's so darn talented too on his, you know, his business side, you know, whether it's website building or graphic art or whatever, he's just, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. John actually did all my logos and, and, and everything. I mean, anything that you see on point or anything like that, John did everything. And, uh, I started with, he's like, well, what do do you want to name? I'm like, I don't know. I have a list of like 50 things on a piece of paper. I'll send it over to you. And then you tell me which ones you think sound good. <laughs> and uh, I didn't give much to work with, man. <laughs> but he did a good job. But so, so you got you, Phelps, Joe, or uh, John, and Dan. So is this um, yep. this is going to be something outside of the um, Angry Mountain Productions, or is this going to be in cahoots with that? Is is all this kind of coming together through a spider web somehow, or what's this? What's... It all sp- yeah, it does spider web out because you know we got our Phelps, uh, a core group of guys, you know, from the angry mountain production mm-hmm. side. Um, uh, but we got other, we got other people, um, involved too. Um, people would probably recognize their names. We're not quite ready to let the cat out of the bag a hundred percent yet, but, um, <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty cool collaboration here. Well, I, I, I'm curious because, you know, I don't know. I've never taken the Elk 101 or anything like that. But I'm curious to see if you guys are going to have anything for as far as gear setups, arrow setups, and bow setups. Yeah. So we dive deep into a lot of bow setup. So, and that's one of the things that Dan brings to the table from his elk-shaped elk camp. Um, every camp, he's had an expert who, um, like like an archery, archery shop owner expert, you know, that's a, a, a guru at tuning bows, you know, mm. um, and then work, working on uh, form. Um, there's a guy, I'll, I'll say his name, Joel Turner, you know, Joel Turner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has shot, shot, I, shot, shot, I, yeah. Yeah. Shot IQ. Yeah. So he's yeah. been part of the elk shape camps, a few of those. And <clears throat> that guy is a genius and has all sorts of great, great information for, for guys who are just struggling with target panic or, <clears throat> or anything in, in just that shot execution realm. Yeah. Um, and then, and then bow tuning, you know, like I said, from the guys at the shops, um, shooting under, under duress. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a ton of just really great stuff in there. Some of the videos are short, you know, five, 10 minute videos, um, in the, in the whole grand scheme of things, some are over an hour. So it just, there's, there's a ton of information. I'd be, I'd love to hear what you, um, you personally use for an arrow setup and stuff like that. Cause I, I, that's the number one, one of the number one questions I get all the time is, will my arrow setup kill an elk? And it's like, yeah. man, uh, well, yeah, I mean, most of them will. I mean, most of the ones I get sent to me will, I, I very rarely get anything that I actually make a suggestion on. It's either yay or nay, but what, what is, uh, what is your arrow setup of choice right now with broadhead selection and everything? So last year I shot heavy arrows. I'd, first year I'd shot those. I think they, I came in at 535 grains. That's heavy to me. Um, That's what I shot last year, I'd, 535. Yeah. Some guys will shoot, you know, 600 or whatever or, or more. And that's, and that's like super heavy. But uh, <clears throat> what I didn't, and I love the penetration. I mean, I shot my bowl with pulling 55 pounds and, and pass right through, you know, completely through mm-hmm. great penetration. But um that was with my mouth tab bow. But even when I had it before I got injured, I had it cranked up to 70 and man, the darn pin gap was so wide that if you start ju- misjudging your yards to five to eight yards, if you don't have time to range or something, um, you're going to miss by, you know, the, the exact mark by 
six to eight inches or, or better. So that I wasn't a real fan of that. Um, in the past, probably my favorite arrow setup has been, um, it's about 435 grains. Hmm. I want to get it bumped up a little bit heavier, probably like about around 450, um, which should be pretty doable. Um, but with that, with that arrow weight, I don't, I don't have any penetration problems unless, I mean, you hit them in the shoulder blade, of course, it's not going to penetrate, but, um, I don't think if 535 grain arrow is going to penetrate either, mm-hmm. uh, you hit them in the, in the knuckle of the, the shoulder blade there. Um, but that, f- at, at that 435, man, my, my pin gap is pretty good. So if I misjudge by five yards, I'm still in, I'm only about a four inch drop or four inches high. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just a little more room for error, you know? Um, and let's face it out of the last 10 bulls I've shot. I don't know if I ranged half of them really was able to range half of them. You know, every time I set up when I got bulls coming in, I range, 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 range. But then it seems like something happens. You got to move up, move up, and then hope, shoot, there he is. And then you're pulling back and just like, all right, he's 28 or he's 18. You know, you're, <laughs> I feel like I've had way more, even in today's day and age of range finders, I still, I'm, I'm shooting bulls without ranging them. So um, not because I'm stubborn, it's because just, just the opportunity, how it arose. Do you think that's because you're getting him in close? I mean, not. I mean, we're not talking 60, 70 yards, but you're. I mean, what's your average shot here? Because you could get away with using your twenty on a thirty. Yeah, yeah, thirty yards and under. Yeah, see, that makes that yeah. makes really good sense. You wouldn't have to range anything. Yeah. I mean, m- right. me, if I had a bullet thirty, I'd probably shoot it for seventy if I didn't range it. <laughs> My depth <laughs> perception sucks, man. <laughs> right. Right. But and, so your average is less sight, than 30, though. And that's how I cite my top pin, too, is mm. my top pin's 30 yards, right, mm. and under, 30 and under. So even at 20 yards, I'm a little high. I'm four, four inches high. At 35 yards, I'm four inches low. So one pin can cover from zero to 35. That's that's some pretty good confidence. Uh, come up the hill, out of breath, shaky, uh, exhausted. You can mm-hmm. still make that shot. You don't have to You have to think about it too hard. Um you get in that pickle where you ha- don't have time to range, but yeah, if you're not shooting 40 plus, you're going to have to range those shots a lot, a lot more. But I think you kind of talked about where people kind of go wrong and in their, where their, their setups and stuff go wrong and, and talking to these guys at elk shaped camp or talking to guys at trade shows. Um, it's this, it's the same story. The faces are different. But the story is, um, man, I can get bulls to bugle good, and they come in pretty good to a point. Then they hold, then they hang up, mm-hmm. and at that point, man, I tried everything, but he just never went, didn't boot, move. And a lot of it is in setup. So if if you're setting up to where you're getting a 40, 50, 60, 70 yard shot, I think you might be setting up in a, in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to set up to where that bull has to come close to ever see his opponent. Um, whether you're hunting with a partner or going solo. Um, so that's, that's, that's a definitely a big deal. Or, you know, you kind of get back to that. I wasn't aggressive enough. They come in, they hold up, they hold up, hold up, hang up. And then, um, the bull loses interest and goes away. So a couple, couple different things there. Well, I, I know me, us personally, I mean, over at the coast, your average shot, I mean, well, you, there's a lot of units. If you're not shooting outside of the, you know, units, that bull I shot two years ago was 17 yards. And that was the first glance I even got at the bull was, was under 30. I mean, I could see his tips over the timber and stuff and, and, uh, with the reprod, but I mean, it's, I mean, I imagine a lot of it's gotta be, uh, terrain dependent but not also you can even use terrain as a rise right i mean i've i've seen right. i think i think i've seen you guys or i forget who it was but you guys didn't have a lot of cover so you basically there's a bench and then one of you, the shooter went towards the edge of the bench and then somebody the caller went towards the back of the bench and in order for that bull to see where the caller was he had to rise up high enough for the guy at the end end of the bench to shoot him and stuff so yeah um, absolutely i guess if there's a will yeah. there's a way yeah. And I think it's just playing that game smart. You know, I think sometimes people get caught up in the moment and all right, all right, let's get him called in right now. 
well, man, you're standing in the worst possible place to call in an elk. Just slow down a little bit, pause. <laughs> don't, don't call him in yet. You know, um, wait, wait, follow along a little, you know, or, or get closer or just clam up for a little bit and wait till the bull gets into a little better spot. You know, if, if, if you're standing in the middle of a burn and it looks like the moon, that's probably not the best place to just keep blowing on your calls. Cause eventually he'll be able to stand there a hundred yards away and look at you. Um, unless you do have, you know, some terrain features where he just has to come close to peek over a ledge or something, and then you can let him have it. Well, from, I imagine you get tons of questions and stuff. What are some of the most common questions that, that you're, that, that you're getting right now? And what are some of the most common errors that you're seeing? Yeah, those two on the setups for sure. Are the most common, um, also, um, uh, calling you know just the actual use of the calls mm -hmm. uh, here's some here's a crazy statistic from all the folks i talked to at trade shows uh, and all the guys i talked to at the elk shaped camps we've got it seems it seems like pretty consistent numbers about two out of ten people their mouth is not shaped to where they can use an elk call effectively Hmm. Um, a lot of times they think, oh man, this and that, and you know, the other thing and, and the, and you start looking at, you know, how their mouth is constructed and they don't even have a mouth that that's made to accept an elk call. Maybe their palate's too narrow. Maybe their, their palate's very deep and they just cannot get the right angles or the right placement, call placement to make a noise. Had a couple guys that couldn't even make it a darn noise at all. Hmm. Um, and how frustrating, you know, it, it was for them. So, um, just because, you know, your buddy likes, likes a maverick <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> it's going to work for you, you know? Um, so you have to experiment with that a little bit, um, and try, try some different options, you know, some external, whatever. Um, let's see. I, I hear a lot of guys, that kind of get wrapped up in, um, they kind of lose their crap a little bit when bulls come in a little bull fever, buck fever. Hmm. And how do you, you know, how do you control that? They ask. And man, it's, it's tough because I find like sometimes it's not the same with every situation. Uh, one bull I'll be calm as a cucumber and the next one I'll be just, I'll be kind of rattled a little bit, hmm. but <clears throat> going back to slowing things down, uh, not, a, not anticipating things too much, just letting them unfold, you know, taking, definitely taking uh <clears throat> taking command of the situation and trying to play your scenario on the bowl rather than him playing his um and then just focus on you know your shot execution you know thinking about success okay pick a spot going through your pre-shot pre-shot checklist pick a spot focus on the spot don't look at his horns don't look at his horns <laughs> <laughs> you know everybody has their own little pre-shot thing but remembering to do that every single time and i think that goes back to practice <clears throat> how do you practice at home versus how do you how are you hunting um one of the camps we were at i was watching the guys they they got to bring their bows and we should let them shoot under duress and a lot of them struggle with just getting their arrow from their quiver under their string and then drawn back really? in a fluid motion. You know, the, some guys will kind of do these little weird things. It's like, Whoa, what, wait, what that, that they kind of make a couple little fumbles um, or they don't do it exactly the same every time. Um, so, you know, we talk about, talk about building consistency in your shot routine. You know, every time when you're practicing in the backyard, whenever you're practicing under duress, um, make sure you're, you're doing those same things over and over again. And that way, when a bull comes in and you're like, holy crap, you just go on autopilot as far as grabbing the arrow, knocking it, get it there, pulling it back. Now focus, you know, and do your pre-shot checklist or, or whatever you want to call it. Well, I feel like a lot of that is 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 also muscle memory and, and, and like Joel Turner making good connections in your brain, you know, closed loop versus open loop and stuff like that. And just making yeah. sure that you know, you're controlling the shot, but that comes with shooting your bow. <laughs> that comes with practicing. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these guys are just wanting, you know, the easy tips for success or the easy, quick and easy. And it's for me, you know, starting yesterday, you know, I took a little while. I've been bow fishing a little bit, so I can't say I haven't shot my bow, but um, I'll pretty much shoot every day up until season um, starting right now. And, you know, we're talking 60, 80, 100, you know, on a long night, 200 arrows. And, by that time, I just, 
man, when you find a way to screw shit up enough times like I have, you, you stop, you stop getting excited until you actually find it. <laughs> so, right. you know, right. like I, I get excited after the shot. I, I, I get excited before, but I, I just used to lose my crap when, when something would come in and it was big or anything like that. And it's just, when you, when you finally like, okay, it doesn't matter how big it is. If you can't make the shot, it doesn't matter how big it is. If you can't put your freaking arrow on the string, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I just tell my, my right. myself that all the time and, and more animals have been hitting the dirt, but uh, I just feel like hard work and dedication to shooting, working your craft, but also building good habits along the way, using like what you guys are, what you were talking about, Joel's shot IQ and stuff. Habits come from, from doing something over and over and over again. And so, uh, man, I mean, how often are you shooting your bow and stuff? Yeah. I shoot it twice a day if I can. Yeah. Once a day, once a day for sure. And sometimes I don't have t the time to, to shoot a hundred arrows, but what I do do, 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 because <laughs> <laughs> so I, I focus on quality, quality practice and I'm more focused on shot execution form. I'm really, I'm really trying to train myself to do it right. Do it, do it the same way every time. And you know, I'm not worrying about too much accuracy. These are like pretty close shots, you know, 20, 25 yards uh -huh. shots to where I'm just working on executing the shot over and over again to where, you know, you just, you get used to making the right decisions before you pull the trigger. Um, and I think, and I think to, you know, this, I'm going to kind of go deep in the weeds with this, but I think today's hunter um, and today's men they don't have the same opportunities. Maybe some of us older guys had growing up. Um, let's say living in the country, country living, um, boys grow, grow, growing up chasing squirrels, hunting squirrels or, or going grouse, grouse hunting with Pappy or whatever. Those develop killer instincts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It means you know what to do at the right time. Squirrel hunt, especially because you start, you gotta start having squirrels running this way and around that way and you're <laughs> shooting them. It, it can be a, a pretty high intense situation. Of course, it's nothing like a bull elk, but you learn to control your shots, right? You're, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know what to, what kind of moves to make at the right times. And I think, you know, like myself, I, I was very lucky to, to grow up in an atmosphere where I was able to shoot the crap out of all sorts of stuff when I was a kid to where that kind of goes over to, bleeds over into my adult hunting life. Well, I, I feel like, uh, you're one of the more notorious and well-known elk killers out there. And I'd just be curious to hear what your kind of your preseason prep sounds like. So you shoot, you shoot every day. Um, is there certain areas in your physique or physical fitness that you feel that you need to work on every year or things that you would point people to start working on if they're not working on anything currently? Yeah. I think if they're not working on anything currently, um, the easiest thing to get started on this is walking. You, you have to walk to hunt elk. I mean, unless you're good old Doug Flutie, you're going to try to shoot him from the front seat of your, of your 78 Chevy, uh, suburban. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to hunt. You're going to have to hike. You're going to have to walk. So walking, you know, it starts somewhere walk. If that means, let's say, whenever I was used to work at night force every day, we get, we get a, a, a coffee break in the morning, one in the afternoon at lunchtime. So leading up to hunting season, sometimes life gets busy and you just can't get in those hikes or the, the workouts you want after work or before work, just some stuff goes wrong. But guess what? At work, when I got my coffee break, I was beating feet. So it was a, a quarter mile out to the stop sign where you hit the highway and a quarter mile back. So there's a half a mile. I walk as fast as I could humanly possibly walk. Lunchtime, same thing. Now it's hot out. It's 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm out there sweating, walking it fast as I can. And then that last one. So at the end of the day, I, I've walked a mile and a half, the, the, the fastest pace I could possibly walk. Um, walking's pretty doable. Now, if a guy wants to take it up a notch and get sweaty at work and really sweaty and, and run, yeah, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, maybe some people are not quite there yet in their fitness of, of running, but you got to start somewhere. So walking, um, you should, and by the time elk season runs around, comes around, you should be able to make a five mile hike 
in a evening after work or something mm -hmm. and complete it with, with pretty good ease, you know, that you're not just not dying, you know, um, and with a pack on start out without a pack, you know, walk a mile without a pack as time goes on, as you get stronger, throw more weight in that thing by toward to where, uh, by the time September gets there, you can have 50 pounds on your back, walk for five miles and not be dying. Um, if you can do that, you're going to, you're going to do well. Um, of course, you know, you need to have some upper body strength. They always say the curls are for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do a bunch of curls and stuff, but the lifting heavy things, you know, I do a lot of dumbbell lifts to where I'm working on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, good old push-ups and stuff like that. Um, just to keep your upper body strong, you know, quarters of an elk, they're pretty heavy Av for an average Rocky five point in Idaho. You're looking at about a 65 pound chunk of meat and bone that's socketed. That's a quarter. Um, monster bowl, 85 pounds. So you not only have to wrestle that thing and cut it off the elk and put it in a bag, you have to put it, you know, hang it in a tree and then you have to carry it out. And that's probably one of the hardest things that even the, the guys are really in good shape. You know, they, they sweat a lot and, and they have some pretty sore icky muscles at the end of the day too. So, um, you know, just, just lifting heavy things and hiking. That's a great way to go. Uh, if you're, if you want to go next level, you know, that CrossFit style or get a home gym to where you're, you're doing some of those CrossFit type workouts, those things will kick your ass and they're pretty simple, really. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Dan, Dan does a lot of these like simple home gym workouts. They're similar to CrossFit and, uh, at these elk shape camps shows guys how to work out and it doesn't take much, you know, a heavy bag of sand, a box, um, and just lots of reps and just getting sweaty and, and body movement can go so far. So, well, that's, you bring up a lot of good points there. And, and I know for me personally, um, I've been working my shoulders out too, cause both mine are shot. Um, they're pretty bad. And so I draw my bow, like a not properly or anything. And, and for, um, talking about shoulder issues, did you ever use an Acubo to bring your shoulder back up or did you, what did you do to bring your shoulder back up after you uh, injured it? Um, I just went through all my, I went through, I see, when did I start physical therapy? I went through about three months of physical therapy hmm. and it went from the lifting of the smallest weight. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I, you know, you feel like a fool. I can't even lift a one pound weight, uh, to where, you know, you graduate and further and further on, you, you start lifting heavier weights, but you know, but no, I did not use an Acubo. Um, I don't know some about girls and, and, tight tops pulling that thing back and getting their picture taken <laughs> on Instagram. It just, it just kind of turned me off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get caught with one of those things, but I think it probably could have been a good tool, but, um, I did all the recommended exercises, which, you know, I and I told my physical therapist that, you know, I really wanted to be able to draw my bow, you know, and he's like, Oh, that'll be no problem. And we kind of tailored the workouts to that, but, um, we did a lot of rubber band workouts to get mm -hmm. there. And then once, once those, um, repaired, the repaired muscle got, got, uh, more strength in it. Then we started working on it, doing some machine, machine workouts at the gym there with it. So, awesome. um, and then and I've been, I've been moving, so I've been lifting lots of heavy boxes, but it's not, not the right kind of lift. So my shoulders kind of been bugging me a little bit cause I kind of got out of that that shoulder workout routine that I was doing. So I got to get back in the gym. So I'm going to go to the gym and do some dedicated, uh, shoulder workouts with the machines and stuff to, to just get that thing beefed back up and strong. Cause I'm still pretty weak up overhead and, um, uh, lost a lot of upper body strength in general, but I'll get it back. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a bummer, but at the same time, I mean, you get to build it back in, in a way that maybe it wasn't built even before, maybe to make it even stronger than it was before. I mean, it's, I've been one of those guys that's on again, off again with fitness. And so it sucks. It's, uh, it's easier to stay fit than it is to get fit. And right. I, man, I mean, but also, I think also, I don't know, I have to ask Dan this, but, um, I think it's also easier once you built that muscle to gain it back. Maybe I'm full of shit there, but I feel like it's, I noticed the gains easier once you did all the work and then maybe you lose a lot of it. I feel like it's, it comes back easier. Have you ever yeah. experienced that at all? 
yeah, I've experienced that too. And with like hiking and stuff too, it seems like once you've kind of put gone to hell and back mm-hmm. on hunts, it seems like you can do it again. And I don't know if it's just mind over matter pushing yourself that extra bit. It's like, well, I've done this before, yeah. you know? Um, but I, but I think there is something to that getting strong again. It's like, well, my, my muscles were this, but, but then again, as a guy gets older, I think it's a little harder too to, oh, to yeah. build that. So I'm 46 and uh, I can definitely tell a big difference between 36 and 46, man. <laughs> Getting old tell, sucks. Man. I can tell the difference between 21 and 30, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and I, I do have one of those Acubos and, and yes, I do wear a wig and, and, uh, spandex when I shoot it, but, um, perfect. <laughs> but I gave it to my buddy who, um, he has this injury from a car wreck and I, I think it's good for that. And I also used it um, to learn how to shoot a hinge without without having any consequences of failure. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, for me, I, I must have shot that 300 times before I actually shot my hinge on an actual live bow. And and that's, I think, I feel like that sped up the learning curve, but I, I agree there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't use it outside of that. I haven't, I haven't shot that thing in probably two years, but um, hopefully my buddy gets some use out of it. I think some of their marketing was a little questionable on that. Um, I think that it would have been, you know, less of the, the one thing and more of what you talked about. It probably would have went over a lot better. I mean, it would be a lot more accepted by a lot of us sportsmen. But I, I um, think so. I think it, you know, there's there's other tools to learn how to shoot a, a hinge or a back tension or anything, you know any release just to test one out. You know, if I had a shop, it'd be something I would use for guys to test out releases or something. You know, like yeah, use this or something, but. Um, the way that they're marketing, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to spell sell spandex. I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, well, I would love to hear about, um, you know, anything that you're excited about before we wrap this thing up, anything that you wanted to, uh, to get out there in, in the podcast world. Uh, Oh, Hey, here's something that I haven't really told anybody besides John and, and Phelps and my family is, uh, I'm starting a podcast. You are starting a podcast. Yes, it's going to be called the Bugler, <laughs> <laughs> the Bugler Broadcast. And I had to think about there for a second. <laughs> the Bugler Broadcast. Yeah. Broadcast. Yeah, it's the Broadcast Podcast. Okay. There you go. That's very original. <laughs> yeah. When are you going to um, start this thing up? So, man, soon, soon. So, yeah, I'm going to think do things a little different. Um, this is going to be more of a Q and A. Mm-hmm. And I want people to get their questions to me because, okay, I get 5 million questions a day on, on social, right. From all these different oh, ideas, yeah. you know, I did this wrong, did this right. La la la. I, I blew my out call. Did, how does that sound good? Um, and I kind of like to get those all funneled into one spot to where I can answer them for not only the person to ask it, but I think there's a ton of people that need to hear this stuff too. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a dedicated phone line to where people can call in, leave their message, a very detailed message. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play their detailed message on the podcast and I'm going to dive in and answer it. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. Pretty fun. You know what you need and to I'll do probably- is, is uh, have a fireplace, do it at night, have a robe on a stiff drink <laughs> and then smoking jacket, smoking, yeah, smoking jacket. And then just, <laughs> film yourself and do the, do the elk, uh, the bugler broadcast. Just, <laughs> that'd be funny. You should do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do a video. It's going to be videoed as well for YouTube. So, you cause I want to, I want this to be on all, every platform. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Um, bear yeah. Rug, you hit like Hugh Hefner or the, exactly the, the most interesting man world's most interesting man yeah that's what i was thinking of you could you can play it off in either one of those and and then um or just if you had like a like a room like cameron haynes just walk around the room and answering questions and just don't even acknowledge any of your mounts like it's no big deal (laughs) (laughs) but uh Uh, well hey i appreciate you for coming on man and and uh, this is actually a bit of a shorter podcast but i just wanted to take some of your time to hear about this elk collective before uh, the word really got out about it i saw that you and dan did one and i was like shit i need to get one of those too because that was a um, this is gonna be something i think people really gravitate towards and and um i think it's gonna be definitely useful yeah we're pretty excited about it i think 
Sorry, my phone just went off. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think we're super excited about this. Um, once people start diving in on this, they're like, holy cow, there's a lot of information here, uh, a lot of good information. And uh, yeah, I can't, I just can't wait for everybody to, to check it out. So. so when is it officially uploading and when, and then what are the costs associated? So it, uh, it officially access to the, the website is July 1st. So it's coming right up. Oh yeah. Um, so the course is $99, but we're throwing out some discount codes and stuff. If you go on there right now and we have it a pre-sale and you can get it for 6995. Hmm. So, and there'll, there'll probably be some, uh, some discount codes out there floating around. Uh, once we launch this thing too, because uh, and if in it we're gonna have it on auto renew. So if you sign up and you do auto renew, you'll get grandfathered in at the at the price at the lower price point. So oh, awesome! Um, yeah, at least till your card expires, right? So use a card that's <laughs> right. not going to expire for a couple years. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man, and uh, I think you guys are gonna you're gonna have some great content for people that want to go out and learn. And oh, you got your dog bothering you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, it's my three that that want to make an appearance onto the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if he thinks it's dinner time or if he thinks it's time to go potty, one or the other. So, <laughs> well, if if you want, Derek, give him a place to find you. Um, and then, um, do you have any idea of when you're going to upload the, uh, the podcast anytime soon, month, two months? Um, my podcast is going to be coming out in the next few weeks. Oh, so, that soon. That um, soon. Okay. Yeah. 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 And let's see. Um, yeah, just, uh, you can find me on social on the bugler mm-hmm. one word on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And then also check us out. It's going to be, it's called the elk collective.com. Go check that out. There's a landing page. You can kind of see a little bit more about it. We've got some graphics there. Yeah. Actually you can sign up uh, with your email to stay informed of what's going on. And you can put in there, you know, what are you interested in learning about? Do you, you, you want to know about calls? Do you want to know about guns? What is, what are you, what is it about elk hunting that you want to know more about? So, you know, we're going to try to listen to people's feedback and what they really want to learn um, and try to and try to give that back. So, All right. Well, one question to finish off the podcast. Uh, being an insider on the Phelps Game Calls, which call is outperforming sales-wise, the Maverick or the Pink? You know, me and Jason don't really, you know, make that public information. Because, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, he's, kind of, he's, he's kind of a sore loser. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want anybody to really know the truth and he gets to be kind of a sore loser about it. So I really couldn't, I really wouldn't want to tell you that the Maverick is crushing it, but yeah, um, we'll just assume. We'll just leave it. We'll just assume. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. You know, I've heard, I've heard Charlie's <laughs> is coming in a, in a strong, uh, you know, he's slingshotting in there. So <laughs> that yeah, yeah he's like a close sixth place or so. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> well, nowadays he'd still get a trophy. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Box of Lucky Charms. <laughs> yeah. You need to get John a call and then have him and Charlie compete. That's what you need. I know, right? But now when those guys hunt together, they <laughs> they fight like a couple of couple of schoolgirls, but man, they're funny. That's hilarious. Oh uh, man. They get they get so mad at each other, but they love each other. I know they do. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to watching your uh, your shenanigans this year and hopefully, you know, the uh the WrestleMania Savage uh, outfit comes back, and and you guys can do some fun stuff like that again because I, I enjoyed that. That was really funny to watch. Yeah, that was super fun, and we we had a lot of laughs over that. <laughs> uh, All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. You too, Dirk. Thank you. All right, guys, that's this episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet and you want to help out the podcast, go to iTunes, leave a review with a comment. That way I can see who left it. You know, if you have uh, constructive criticism or positive feedback or negative feedback, I need to see that. I want to make sure that we're producing content that you guys want to listen to. Or, uh, you know, if you have some sort of suggestions, I'm open. I'm totally open to constructive criticism or whatever you guys want. Leave me a review on there. Five stars is the best review. One star is the worst. 
Uh, I try to avoid those, but you know, whatever you think we feel uh, I earned, um, happy to get your feedback on there. If you want to help out the podcast in a different way, there's two other ways. It's www.patreon.com forward slash on point podcast. There's a link in the description. And if you want to give uh, financially to the podcast, a dollar, five dollars, whatever, you know, your budget or whatever you feel is necessary uh, to help po- help the podcast grow and come out with more content. Totally fine. I uh, would love to have you. If you can't do that and you just want to do something different, www.onpointpodcast.com. A uh, pop-up will show up where you can give me your email. And eventually that will turn into something that you can use for discount codes, uh, keep up with the content, and find out exactly what I'm up to and, and uh, things that are coming around the corner for content. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.